Next, I'm going to read to you guys uh, the scripture. We're going to be reading from, first we're going to read from Psalm 126. If you guys got your Bible and you want to turn to that, join me. All right, so here we go. Psalm 126, uh, first one through three. It seemed like a dream, too good to be true, when God returned to Zion's exiles. We laughed, we sang, we couldn't believe our good fortune. We were the talk of nations. God was wonderful to them. God was wonderful to us. We are one happy people. And now four through six. And now, God, do it again. Bring rains to our drought-stricken lives so those who planted their crops in despair will shout hoorays at the harvest. So those who went off with heavy hearts will come home laughing with armloads of blessings. And now we're going to have Elijah come up and read some scripture. So that's awesome. The shepherds and the angels and the... In, okay, okay. Uh, the shepherds and the angels. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And... and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good, good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was, there was the, there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, "Glory to God in the highest, and peace among those with whom He is pleased." That was fun. situated here. I'm going to I'm going to hold the mic. Good morning. It's it's Christmas Sunday. You just realize that? The kids realize it. Before uh let me, let me situate it. Before we get into our text this morning, I want to take a few minutes to sort of talk about our gatherings here. Um, I hope you all got my email. Um, But if you didn't, let me know, and we can make that happen. Uh, I'm going to kind of walk through the the key points here real quick. But uh, for a while now, the elders, we've um, we've been praying, we've been thinking, discussing uh, how to approach the ever-changing shelter-in-place orders, especially in light of colder, less predictable Northern California winter weather. Um, We wanted to ultimately anchor our decisions not on popular opinion, not on political persuasion, but on a clear biblical mandate. We wanted to to anchor that on something that wasn't going to be moved based off of 
any given situation. So no matter how the orders change or whatever comes in the future, uh, we have a clear chart, a clear path to follow um, to move forward as a family in the mission of God in Sonoma County. So real quick, I just wanted to highlight the elements, sort of the anchors that, that I put in that email, that we put in that email. Um, these are the elements that I really just walking through Acts chapter 2 in the foundation of the church, the formation of the church. There were a few elements that are essential to the church. These are non-negotiables. We have to be doing these things. One, the church must gather as a community. Two, the church must worship. Three, the church must, must preach the word. Four, the church must be a witness to the gospel. Five, the church must be a place of renewal and refreshing. And six, the church must be a people of prayer. In reality, the Bible's less clear on how those things are done. So these are the essential elements. This is this minimum church is we have to be doing those things. It's less clear sort of in how that happens, but the point is those things need to be happening. Pandemic or not, shelter in place order or not, those elements have to be there. So that being said, there are different ways that we can be faithful to these mandates in any given season, no matter what comes. This morning, there's many families that are joining us via live stream over YouTube, um, and that's awesome. And we want to encourage that. There are families or people that are getting together in small groups outside, discussing the sermon, reflecting on the live stream. That's awesome. We want to encourage that. We are one church. We can gather in multiple ways. There's different ways we can do that. But we want to, and we want to encourage you to be creative in the way that you uh, find ways to be the church in this season. Whether you're joining us in person or not. That being said, it is possible that there are some of you watching at home or listening later on the podcast, um, or possibly not engaged at all, uh, simply out of convenience and not out of conviction. And I want to say, as, as the elders, we want to say, if that's you, please make sure you are practicing these essential elements of what it is to be the church. This is not a convenient thing. There may be some of you here today uh, that are here to make a statement. I don't think that's any of you, but that's possible. Uh, and you're not actually engaged in what we're doing. If that's you, you're missing the point. We're here uh, to, to glorify Jesus, to be together as a community, to learn from the word, to pray, to be a place of renewal. This is not a political statement. We're here to worship our king. One last thought. And then we'll get into our text for this morning. We'll talk about Christmas. The Bible describes the church as a family, as a body. It's the sum of many parts. We are not complete if members of our body 
are in isolation and separated from the rest of us. We need each other, we need each part of the body to be the fullness of what refuge is. We are not complete if some of our members are in isolation. We need each other to be the fullness of what the church is called to be in our region. And to that end, we're asking you to care for one another, prefer each other, bear each other's burdens. You could do a study, just walk through the New Testament and look for one another. There's like 50 some odd verses on one another. They're all really good. You might disagree with each other, you might find yourself on opposite ends of the political spectrum. But we are to view each other as precious members of the family. We're to prefer each other. So real quick, I just want to pray and then we'll jump into our text, okay? Father, I thank you for clear direction. God, I thank you that, that you are a good, good father and a good shepherd. You lead us and you guide us. God, I pray for the members of our community that aren't in this building, that are watching online. God, I ask that you would knit us together, that you would bring unity and connection, that we would be one body with one mission, one Lord. Father, I pray for other churches in our city and in our region, right now that are struggling with the same issue, that are wrestling with what to do in the same situation. Father, we ask that you would give their leaders wisdom and guidance, that you would lead them and guide them, that you'd give them clarity and conviction. And God, we do ask that you would end this pandemic that you would bring healing and restoration. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, now we're gonna jump into our text. <laughs> this is the fourth week of Advent. You know what that means, kids? Christmas, four days. Christmas is coming. Christmas is almost here. This week, we're going to focus on the topic of peace. The four topics that we've touched on so far, so far is hope, love, joy, and now peace. Peace is one of these words that's common enough that it's lost or can lose its meaning. Five times... In the New Testament, Jesus is called the God of peace. Jesus said, my peace I give to you. Paul said, Jesus himself is our peace. When the Bible speaks of peace, it does not simply mean the absence of conflict. If you look up peace in the dictionary, that's what it's gonna mean, the absence of conflict. For the Bible, though, it doesn't just mean the absence of conflict or animosity. It is better defined in the positive. It's the presence of something. 
For most of us, the word peace, it conjures up sort of a passive picture showing the absence of civil disturbances or hostility, perhaps being free from internal or external strife. But the biblical concept of peace is larger than all of that, and it rests heavily on the Hebrew word shalom, which means to be complete or to be sound. It's almost like a building term when something is sound and sturdy and complete. Our passage that we've all focused on this whole series, the Psalm 126 passage, think of the opening here. It seemed like a dream, too good to be true. When God returned Zion's exiles, we laughed, we sang, we couldn't believe our good fortune. We were the talk of the nations. This is, this is the psalmist sort of interpreted through Eugene Peterson, painting a picture, I think, of peace. We laughed. We couldn't believe our good fortunes. It was too good to be true. And if we're honest, as we reflect on 2020, as we reflect on this year, peace would not probably be the word we would use to describe 2020. Am I alone there? 2020 has been a year of anxiety, strife, division, dissension. These things are not shalom. Things are not right. And that is honestly the point of Advent. That's the point of this season. Advent always starts in the darkness. But we have seen a light. Fleming Rutledge, in one of her sermons on Advent, she says this, it's, it's beautiful. She says, Advent looks unflinchingly into the darkness and names it for what it is. She says, Advent faces into death and looks beyond it to the coming judgment of God upon all that deceives, twists, undermines, pollutes, contaminates, and kills his beloved creation. There can be no community of the resurrection without the conquest of, without the conquest of death and the consummation of the kingdom of God. In a world of profound darkness and distress, pervasive sin and evil, we look to the true light. We look to Jesus, the Son of God, the Prince of Peace. For us, as followers of Jesus, we can and we do have peace. This is the gospel, this is the good news. We are a community of peace. This is what Christmas is all about. Let's take a little bit, we're gonna talk about the Christmas story. And for me, the Christmas story has to start at the beginning. It's kind of odd, I know, but let's start with the Christmas story at the beginning. In the beginning, in Genesis, God made everything good. Everything was right. This was shalom, it was right. There was perfect union with God and with each other and with all of creation. True shalom, true peace. Unfortunately, that peace would not last. 
humanity would choose to go its own way. We would reject peace. We would reject the peace that we were designed to live in. And through the sin of our first parents, death, disease, hatred, strife would enter the world. But God had a plan. He had a plan to restore peace on earth and to make all things right again. The story of history, the story of Israel is is this sort of endless cycle of man's attempt to fix things unsuccessfully, only to realize that we can't do it and God steps in out of grace and mercy and comes to the rescue. And at a time when all seemed lost, the people were desperate, they were hoping and longing for their Messiah, their rescuer. There was deep darkness and a light shone. In relative obscurity, a baby was born. This distant relative of King David. Let's read Luke 2 again. Elijah did so good. But the, these angels, they announced Jesus' birth to the shepherds that first Christmas. And they proclaimed peace that Jesus would bring. Luke 2, starting in verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host. That's literally like the armies of heaven. Praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. I think it's ironic that at the birth of a child in relative obscurity in out in a manger we get this picture of this army of angels saying peace has come to earth peace has come because of the birth of this baby It's as if the angels were looking past the darkness and they see the ultimate end to the battle that they have been engaged in since the fall. They see in this child the end of this battle that they've been engaged in and they say, peace, glory to God and peace on earth. In that manger, the baby that was born would be the prince of peace. The angels recognized after centuries of man's attempt to find peace and only creating more and more conflict, the true ultimate bringer of peace was wrapped in a swaddle in that manger. 
The iconic Christmas passage from Isaiah 9 helps us drive this home a little bit more. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And I think this is the purpose the great purpose of Jesus' coming is in the angel's declaration. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Ever ascending glory from man to God and peace ever descending from God to man. God's glory sung out among men for the sake of his name, God's peace lived out among man for the sake of his name. There really is hardly a better way to sum up what God is about, what he was about when he created this world, or when he came to reclaim the world through his son. His glory, our peace. His greatness, our joy, his beauty, our pleasure. The point of creation and the point of redemption is that God is glorious and means to be known and praised for his glory by a peace-filled new humanity. That's us, the church. For sure, this is the point of the whole story. Jesus was the apex of the story of redemption. It was all building towards this moment. The Messiah is come. He's here as this baby. But we know the story doesn't end with a baby in a manger. The point of the manger ultimately was the cross. And at the cross, Jesus made it possible for us to have peace. Peace with God. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ, through our Lord Jesus Christ. We can have peace with each other. This is Ephesians 2. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. And ultimately, we can have peace on earth, which I know that sounds trite, but this is what Jesus came to do. In Advent, we remember, this is the point of Advent, we remember the darkness and that a light has come. And we look for the ultimate consummation of all things. Jesus is not a baby in a manger anymore. He's also not a broken man on a cross anymore. He is the king, the prince of peace, 
and of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. So for us, as we celebrate and remember Advent for a few weeks of the year, we do this every year, but in actuality, we are always in a season of Advent. We are waiting and longing for the appearance of the Prince of Peace to come and to bring true peace once and for all, to make all things right. Karl Barth said, what other time or season can or will the church ever have other than that of Advent? So where does that leave us? Where does that leave us for this week? I always like to try to look for like, okay, so what, what do we do with this? What does that mean for us this week? All around us, there are people that are des- in desperate need of peace. People are looking to a political leader to bring them peace. They're looking right now, they're looking for a vaccine to bring some peace their politics, they're looking maybe for the reopening of schools, for some peace, maybe an economic financial win or something to bring them peace. While all of those things can bring a bit of peace, Jesus is the only one that can bring true peace. This is the Christmas gospel, peace is coming. We can have peace. And we, the church, we are apprentices of Jesus, disciples, apprentices. That means you are an apprentice to the Prince of Peace. You are a follower, a student of the Prince of Peace. You have a unique privilege to live as a person of peace, a bringer of peace. In a harsh, divided climate, we as the people of God, even when we disagree, even when we're not on the same page, we can show a world desperate for peace what it looks like to live at peace with one another. We can display peace. This week, as I was studying for this, I came across this quote by Bonhoeffer that I I found fascinating, challenging, actually. He said, there is no way to peace among the way of safety, for peace must be dared. It is the great venture It can never be made safe. Peace is the opposite of security. Peace means to give oneself altogether to the law of God. Battles are won not with weapons but with God. They are won where the way leads to the cross. This is for us as Christians. We have to dare as believers, even when we disagree and we're uncomfortable, dare to live in peace. Try and sit down with somebody even you disagree with. 
to, to display the love of the gospel. Maybe even this week as, as you do or don't get together with family and friends over Christmas. I'm not asking. There might be some disagreements. That happens. As a follower of Jesus, how do we display peace? How do we display the gospel? How do we seek to live at peace? This week, as you're in your final prep for Christmas, I wanna challenge you to be people of peace. Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart since you are members of one body who were called to peace. Reflect, let's think about the peace that we have because of the gift of the incarnation. That baby that was born in that manger, it's not just a a fable or a story. The God of creation took on flesh, humbled himself, He came in the form of a baby so that we could have peace. Peace with God, peace with each other, peace with creation. I'm gonna pray and then John can come back up. Father, I thank you for this Christmas season God, I thank you for the good news of the gospel. God, that you are the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings. God, I ask that you, this week, would remind us of that peace. That you would help us to be people of peace, that bringers of peace, a community of peace. That we would live out the implications of this gospel that we believe. Jesus, we love you and we bless you. Amen.